0: They were like, this is not an assault. This is, we are gassing your building. Do not fire upon us as they're pushing in. This is not an assault. And they're pushing in the front of the building. Sure,
1: the it tank. feels like an assault. <laughs> I'm sure that's. Uh, you yeah. promise? It, right, yeah. Yeah. No comment. <laughs>
0: oh, we didn't kill the probably blame me for being an idiot. But.
1: And which you were. Which we all <laughs> were. You have to make it to where crime doesn't pay. You have to deter crime. Whether it's crime or terrorism, it's the same
0: principle. You have to clash with supervision. You have to or nothing will get done. Supervisors can't learn how to supervise and you can't learn how to respect a supervisor without confrontation. It has to happen. <laughs> Do not take that out. JV team for life what's up everybody just want to give a quick shout out to zero nine holsters these guys are cop owned cop operated cop tested all right based out of ohio um they have gear for everything holsters equipment i use them for magazines radio they have everything so you can either order online through them or you can go on their website and find who sells them in their shops in case you're one of those people that wants to go and physically look at it on this podcast we talk about real important issues in our culture. Um, It's hard to do sometimes, uh, you know, and a a lot of people don't support us and don't want these messages out there. 09 Holsters supports us 100%. They agree with everything that we say, and they're like, we're down, let's do it. So by supporting them, you're supporting us. And uh, so if you buy holsters or, you know, you need equipment holders, radio, anything you need, Go to zero nine holsters, right? And when you check out, use promo code antihero ten z nine. Antihero ten z nine. That'll get you ten percent off your order. So go show them some love. Thanks, guys.
1: <laughs> well, at this rate, I can promise you you'll make as much as we do. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to the Antihero Podcast, part Delta Force, part Street Cop, all podcasts. I'm Tyler, owner of Refracted Wolf Apparel, all American outsider apparel. Use promo code ANTIHERO for 15% off all the best graphic tees out there.
1: And I'm Brent Tucker, owner of First Responders Coffee and Cigar Company. Use FRCC15, get 15% off of high quality coffee and Great cigars. I just used it. It works. That's right. I was surprised. I thought we had <laughs> thought we had cut you out of our customer base, but apparently we're gonna have to go go back and 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 ban you. Frcc twenty five does not work. <laughs> I tried. It. It started going up all the numbers. Um, today's podcast is gonna be a little different than podcasts we normally do, but I, I think it'll also be a podcast that we a type of podcast to do a, a little more of. Yeah. Um. And I'm kind of excited about that. To be honest with you, I'm I'm a quasi history buff. Yeah, I, I love history. comes with comes with the territory of, of getting older. You just start liking history for some reason. Um, and uh, the topic is Waco,
0: not just Waco, but like the origins of like mm. of like David Koresh and he, why. So obviously, I learned a lot. You know more about David
1: Koresh and the Branch Davidians. Uh, you know, doing the research. But the truth is, and a lot like Ruby Ridge, and hopefully we get to talk about that one uh, as well, because there's there's a lot of comparisons between Waco and, and Ruby Ridge. What I thought was Waco wasn't necessarily uh, the whole truth either. You know, um, it happened back in nineteen uh, back in 1993. So a lot of time has come and gone. I was I was 12 years old at the time. You know, probably a lot of our listeners were. Uh, were at that age or maybe younger maybe a little bit older but you know they weren't something like a lot of our listeners are going to be 30 or 40 at the time and I'm sure it was big news at the time and people watched their their TV sets you know every day during the 51 day siege um, and then again even those listeners uh, if you do remember Waco you only got the story of what the news media told you yeah. which was being fed by the F by, by the feds so which wasn't you know necessarily the
0: whole truth. So, yeah. And this is just like you said earlier. This is the, there's no better story in America. Not better. I don't want to use the word better, but there's no more like a story that's just like, I can't, there's no right answers to it. There's no like, I, this was the right side or this was the right side.
1: Uh, I'll, and uh, again, I hate to keep talking about uh, Ruby Ridge because um, we'll, I think we'll do a podcast on that. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm very fascinated by that story as well. Um, but Ruby Ridge, Ruby Ridge is a little more cut and dry because if if you do or don't know about Ruby Ridge, um, and again, you probably don't know the whole story about yeah. Ruby Ridge. So I'm excited about doing a podcast about that. It, you know, that was a Green Beret uh, in '92, barricaded with his family in the mountains of Idaho, and it was a lot easier to um, to understand or be you know kind of more lenient towards towards his story. Mm-hmm. The problem with Waco is. Is the people in the, uh, you know, the people doing the siege is, or being sieged, uh, were radical, religious weirdos. And so it was a lot, it's a lot less, you know, it, it's a lot harder to to have a, a soft heart towards them because, like, well, you're weirdos, it's what weirdos get. But to me, that's why it's important to go down the history of David Koresh, go down the history of the Branch Davidians. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Branch Davidians. We're great people and you know, uh, and deserve to be protected, and that's your ideal American citizen. But what I will say is this. The Branch of Videans started back in the 1920s. They had been here for 100 years and no one had a problem with them for 100 years. And at the end of the day, they lived in America, and that was their American dream, and everyone wants to talk about were a melting pot and diversity. And then when these guys are living their American dream...
0: People have no problem, you know, taking it away from them, and uh, talk- and I have a problem with that. Are you talking about the David Koresh era? We had a problem with it. Or are you talking about like? Cause what was- no,
1: I'm talking just I I am just like when people hear the Waco story, you know, they 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 seem to think, oh, well, they're just they're just religious fanatic wackos, mm-hmm. uh, you know, multiple wives, young kids, uh, and I'll get into that. And there is some truth of that, and I'm not trying to paint them as saints. They are not saints. But I also don't believe they're the evil that the feds would have liked to paint them as because it had been a lot easier to, uh, you know, to it had been a lot more palatable that 80 plus Americans died yeah. that that were that were evil antagonists when that's just not necessarily the whole truth.
0: Mm. I'm interested. I'm interested because I, as the timeline goes, it goes Ruby Ridge and it goes Waco and mm. then there's a direct correlation to the oklahoma city bombing which is you know
1: that's something i didn't know either until I, till I started pulling yeah. this string and you think the oklahoma city bomber is is uh some deranged weirdo which he is n- n- no do not pull this out of context absolutely is but i never understood why anyone would do that and after doing research into ruby ridge and waco and what the government did to those to those people I'm just saying I understand why how it, it happened. how it happened yeah. and how that would turn a fanatic to be his last straw to do something. Yeah. Doesn't make it right. Does yes, not exactly. make it right. But uh, it 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 kind of connected some pieces and so and you're right. Even that it all, they all kind of um uh they're all connected. Ruby Ridge, Waco and the Oklahoma City bomber um uh, with Timothy McVeigh uh all uh, was the domino effect of how the government handled themselves in in the early 90s
0: there's a common there's a common theme of being shredded on (laughs) yeah you know and and
1: and it is a little ironic you know me doing this because um i'm sure some people will 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 see this and be like oh you know if you're a fringe right wing like oh brent's on our side you know he's uh He's an all anti-government and conspiracy theorist, and that's just that couldn't be any further from the truth. I'm not anti-government. Don't get me wrong. I'm very much for smaller government, but I'm not anti-government. I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist. Um, that being said, do I think do I think our government's batting a thousand since 1776? <laughs> no, no, they're not. And and we've been very consistent about this. We're very pro law enforcement. That's evident by both of our companies and and the job you yeah. do. And Magnus pro ATF. Mag- <laughs> oh. Just- but 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 we're not but we're not scared to call people out either. We have the dumbass cop of the week, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's what you that's what that's what really we should do as mouthpieces is support uh, people who deserve to be supported, but also keep them honest and call them out when wrongdoings uh, happen or have happened and. We have to learn from things like this to
0: ensure that it never happens again. Like you have to know what your government is yeah. capable of. And exactly, and these these were arms of government law enforcement. These were agencies of federal law enforcement. And you know, like you look at the street cop, and he's a, he's a guy for the people. He upholds the Constitution. You know, and the Feds, I think, just have a different playbook. And operate on a different set of rules that's why you know a sheriff will say i'm not i'm not enforcing that and then the feds will come in and enforce whatever the hell they want
1: well in this particular situation and and i agree with you uh you know there's there's good players there's bad players and sometimes you know the the smaller you know counties will will you know and uh entities will give pushback and then get overruled but let me tell you who was all a part of this You had, six, you had 668 federal agents on the scene. You had 15 U.S. Army personnel. Um, we had 13 National Guard members. We had 71 Texas Rangers and 166 local police officers totaling an almost 900-man force up against Waco.
0: They are coming to tread.
1: And it, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, and un, man, that's with as, with as, tanks. As, yeah, <laughs> yep, and that's uh, the irony of, of that statement is is definitely gonna ring true here in a little bit about about the treads and don't tread on me, and they absolutely tread on them. Um, so that being said, let's get into it. Yeah, let's get in. You want to do the history of David? Yep. All right. Yep. I uh, I'm not excited about doing it this way, uh, but there's so much information to cover. And there is no way that I'm going to remember it all. I had to write a bunch of notes, and I'm going to do uh, a fair amount of reading. But uh, it just—it it just is what it is—to be historically right and 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 get the get the get uh get the story right. So for this part of the story, I'm actually going to refer to him as Vernon Howell because that's his name. I did not know that. There you go. I'm 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 excited that I did the uh, kind of the history part of it because you're going to get to you know. Uh, Hear it for the first time as well and get, and get the reaction of, of who uh, Vernon Howell was. Vernon Howell was born in Houston in 1958. His mother, Bonnie Sue, was 14 years old. As soon as uh, she was found out to be pregnant, um, the dad left. So he, he, he never met his dad. Um, Bonnie, right before uh, he, he was born, Bonnie hooked up with a, uh, a guy fresh out of prison who was an alcoholic and violent, and wanted nothing to do with uh, with her son, and she had him uh, give her son away to to the grandparents. So she's mom of the year at this point. So, mom, yeah, mom of the year. Yeah. So right off the bat, we can stop there, and <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you and you can now understand a lot more about yeah. about about uh, the person you know as David Koresh and how someone if this is your beginning, we've talked about another podcast, you know, we talked about it on raising alphas. We've talked about it with the, uh, the biblical podcast with my brother, how important the family structure is to have a, a father and a mother having them both present in someone's life. Cause when you don't, this is what happens yep. and you can go and say, well, that's, that's a, you know, that's, that's cherry picking. That's not cherry picking. I mean, I'm not saying they're all going to turn into David Koresh's, but the statistics aren't with you for that person to grow up to be a productive citizen. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to raise any eyebrows that uh, that was uh, his early childhood. It gets worse. Um, and get, and it gets weirder. Uh, he goes to live with his grandparents. Um, his grandparents, who are still young because his mom had them when when she was 14. His grandparents then have two more kids. Um, after he goes to to live with them as, as a baby. And so he was raised, I' gotta say this right. He was raised with his aunt' sister and his uncle brother that were younger than him, that were younger than him. <laughs> so um, the his mom gets remarried and gets remarried to 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 uh, uh, apparently a, a pretty good guy and kind of gets her life back on the on, on the right track. Uh, Royal uh, Roy um Roy Holder uh I'm sorry Roy Holdersman um and uh he's a decent guy and he's like hey you know I want you to bring I want you to bring your son back we're going to we're going to raise this family they end up having uh another uh, another son who so has a half brother um but uh and brings Vernon uh back to Dallas to live with them now he's like if I remember he's like 5 years old when this when when this is happening and so when his grandmother and aunt and uncle would come visit him, he would cry uncontrollably, begging to go home with his mom, which was his grandma. He would call her mom, Ooh. his his grandma and uh, his his aunt and uncle. So he's at a very young age. He's just very, he's very troubled. You know, yeah. that's, that's just a that's a lot to unpack there. Um the, as the story goes, Roy, his, uh, his new dad, um, was cold and hard on, on both his sons, and they grew up in a rough part of, of Dallas. Um, at age eight, Vernon was uh, cornered and sexually assaulted in a barn. Um, that's,
0: again, it just got, I keep on like peeling back these layers, and you're like, yeah, uh, that's. Was the dad hard as in like hard for ba- like back in the day when dads were hard or was he like um, out of
1: yeah, that's a good question I, I i don't know but i did read several uh articles about his, you know him him growing up and they actually both um were, all of them you know referred to how how hard-nosed uh, his dad was but you yeah, know, i'm not even saying that's a bad thing that's yeah you know, it's just a thing my dad was very, i was, say, you, was, you said- was a very hard-nosed uh guy to, uh growing up um, but I can tell you this, my dad wouldn't, would not let, uh, anyone sexually assault me and there would have been hell to pay for that. Yeah. So, I, you know, uh, obviously there's no one to talk to in that story, but you know, I'd love to dig deeper in that. And, you know, did his dad even know what did his dad do about that? Um, you know, was was he too scared to even tell his parents? But, uh, obviously someone, someone knew cause the truth came out and at eight, he was cornered and sexually assaulted in a barn. Um, he was described as lanky, awkward. Um, he was dyslexic, so school was very hard on him. Um, he repeated the first grade, and in third and fourth grade, he was put into special special ed classes. Um, and his nickname throughout elementary school was Mr. Retardo. <laughs> <laughs> Guy had a tough, tough oh, childhood. Man, that's
0: not even a. A clever nickname. That's no, just a well, fucking
1: <laughs> elementary school kids aren't known for their cleverness. They don't want to just wow, go with the, the the you know the the clear one in front of them, and that's what they went with. Um, <laughs> but the truth is, even though he he had all those things going against him, he was far from retarded. Um, he gravitated towards music, mechanics, and religion, and he could take things apart. He could fix them, put them back together. Uh, and th- that type of, you know, intellectual prowl, that that takes smarts, you yeah. know, to, to be an engineer and mechanics. Um, um, by age 14, he had, according probably to him or to some people, he had memorized the whole Old Testament. Now, if that's true, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to me, it's one of those things that even if it's not true— I bet he memorized a whole lot of the Old Testament, lot lot more than lot more than I memorized, yeah. uh, and and more than he could you know, re- most he could
0: tell you the Old Testament almost verbatim. Probably. That's 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 the claim.
1: Um, school is unforgiving still, and it was it was agreed that he should move back with his his grandmothers around middle school time with Tyler, um, Tyler, Texas, to get a to get a fresh start. Um, and man, that, and that was the right call, man. That was the right call. Um, he was gonna go. He was supposed to share a room with his uncle brother, um, and immediately upon seeing that, he looked back in the shed and said, "You know what? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna remodel that shed. I'm gonna live in the shed." And that's what he did. And he remodeled the shed by himself. And you know, according to the stories that everyone who came and visited him in that shed were like, "Man, this is really nice." Um, he continued to learn. He taught himself how to play guitar. He continued to play guitar. He starts kind of coming into his own, and now he's a a confident guy. He he would have girls, you know, come over to to his. He had friends in the neighborhood. He was uh, welcomed at this new school. He got a fresh start. He wasn't Mister Retardo anymore. He's a kid who can play guitar. Lives even even though it doesn't sound cool right now, but as a middle schooler, you you live it in your own place. Yeah, you know, even in a shed, people can come over, stay up as late as you want. You're kind of a cool kid. So he's starting to kind of come into his own. Uh, with this with this fresh starts. Um, he's even kind of he's even looked at as a, a handsome young rocker. Uh, I read one article later on in life that he actually moved to to L.A. because he wanted to be uh, he wanted to be uh, uh, in a rock band. Um, and he was he was looked at it as persuasive, insightful and even inspiring. So, um, I mean, again, this fresh start did did a lot for him. But at age 16, uh, he had to move back with his parents, and it was agreed upon by his friends and family, and here's what's crazy to me when you read this story, even his principal and school teachers, that he should not go back to the same public school system that he grew up in.
0: Yeah, that must have been pretty bad then, if everybody's yeah. <laughs> if everybody's like, yeah.
1: <laughs> so they all agreed. Um, they put him in a private school called Dallas Junior Academy, which is a seven-day Adventist, uh, school, and he was ex- uh, he was accepted, um, but he continued to learn about the Bible, and he started getting into. And now he's a confident, you know. Now he's a confident young man. He knows a lot about the Bible. Uh, Do you know? And he's challenging his professors and his teachers at this high school, and he's challenging them to a point. where they can't. They can't defeat him.
0: Does he have mentally. any outside Christian influence on him, or is this all? interest that he has his his mother is deeply
1: religious okay um i didn't hear anything about his his grandmother being deeply uh religious but yeah his his mom's religious um and uh
0: and he's defi- and he's starting to outsmart his own instructors
1: yeah and really he's outsmarting his own instructors and what i really what kind of um hit me with this is it's a little bit like a he has this weird. He's a weird hybrid, right? Because he loves guitar, he loves rock music, and he also loves religion. Well, in the in the seventies, what what's what's rock music stand for? And which is kind of more what, yeah. what punk rock stands for now, being being yeah. defiant, you know, not conforming and not you know being unapologetic about about the truth, and so that kind of becomes uh, his his personality. But he has the mental capacity and the understanding and the zeal for the Bible. To back it up So uh,
0: <clears throat> And it was well known that he knew more about The Bible than most his teachers um, Was he in a re- Do you know if his new school was religious base or no Yeah yeah his it new was.
1: school was okay. It was absolutely religious base It was a school uh, founded by uh, Seventh Day Adventist it, okay. was, it, was it was a Christian school um, So Vernon he's now confident uh, He's knowledgeable and even arrogant Um and he had he butted heads with so many of the teachers and again was probably right um, that they, they couldn't beat him. So they told him to beat feet. Uh, they kicked him out of school. Uh, he moved back to his grandma, uh, his grandma's house. He drops out of school uh, completely. And at this point, he kind of loses his religion. He's he doesn't really know what to do with his life. He starts doing carpenter jobs and he picks up carpenter jobs where his grandma lives uh, and Tyler and where his mom lives in Dallas and he's going back and forth. He kind of can't hold down a job. Um he's just drifting from job site to job site and he turns to womanizing. And he's got girlfriends in in both towns. Um getting back at everybody for calling <laughs> him mr ritardo that's right that's right <laughs> and and really like and to me when you start hearing this background out of him you start seeing this re- this theme and this beginning mold of 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 a, of a guy who got no attention and only negative attention yeah. and then he, he he finds a way to reinvent himself and now he's kind of a ladies man and now he's womanizing you know taking advantage of all his missed opportunities um and you know the, the womanizing and wanting to be accepted and all that, you know, will come into play later uh, with the Branch Davidians. But this happens at a at a young age, and this is reoccurring as well. Well, I'll share you some more. Um, and when he's nineteen, he knocks up a fifteen-year-old. Ooh. Now I will tell you this, and again, a reoccurring theme. Uh, I'm not telling you that's right, but I'm going to tell you it's legal. It wasn't until the two thousands. In Texas, that they raised the age of consent from 14 to 18, so it was legal. Um, and just because it's legal doesn't make it right, especially in his parents' eyes. His parents' eyes were furious. Uh, Want say his? I'm sorry, her parents' eyes. The 15 year old's parents were furious and make sure he is not part of the child's life at all, uh, which I'm sure was a uh, a tough hit on him. At this point, he goes back to searching for purpose, um, and he comes back to church. The church takes him in. He, now he has this, you know, this, you know, this sorry story about, uh, you know, I was living a life of sin. I got a girl pregnant. Now her parents didn't want me, and they're like, "Oh, you poor child, you know, get get your life right and and come to church." But kind of the 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 broken record here, just like his his private school days. Um, he knows more than most people at church and really that's that's a shame on you church people that you don't know enough about your own religion um and uh he he's quickly accepted as a you know as a as a young scholar a very knowledgeable person uh he now has like this kind of charming personality as well that he can he can bring people in um but he kind of turns into this tyrant that uh that for the smallest infraction a church member does, like he comes in and Bible thumps him and comes down heavy on them. Um, and so he gets known for that. Um, at one point, he falls in love with the preacher's daughter. and uh, That's
0: a rebel for you. Oh, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. His his rebel part just can't, his, his rocker part just can't completely go away. And this is, I believe, the beginning of him. And I get it. He knows more than the people at, at the church. Why shouldn't he be in charge? Or or what's his next step to to leadership? He wants to be a leader so bad, and to be, you know, affiliated with the pastor's daughter, kind of kind of fast forwards him into that. And this is the beginning of what I'm. Now I'm putting the pieces together in that. This is, but it's it's quite evident in just a very few a very few years here in the future that that's a problem. Well, he comes to the pastor and says, "Hey, God told me, uh, told me that uh, I'm supposed to take your daughter as a wife," and the pastor kicks him out. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> the pastor disagreed and kicks him out of church. But as you can see, he's all, he's a troublemaker, you know, and and you know, in one aspect, I'm sure he, the pastor is tired of him uh, riling up the congregation, yeah. admonishing people over small things. And it's like, you know what? we brought you in and you're just more trouble than you're worth. And now you're telling me that God's talking to me, talking to you and to give you my daughter. That's probably the final straw for him. Mm-hmm. So at this point, uh, he gets really into, uh, revelations and the end times. And, uh, he stumbles, um, he stumbles on this, uh, the, this revelation seminar, um, and taught by James Gilley now James Gilley was unique in the fact that he he wouldn't just teach the Old Testament or the New Testament the the revelations he would put a creative spin on it and he'd have these elaborate shows and then he would pull in um, news headlines at the time and you know and show how they line up with revelations and and a ton of people were, were gravitating towards this including, including Vernon Howell. He gets so caught up into this, he comes up to James Gilley and says, hey, I know a lot about the Bible too. I'm a pretty personable guy. You know what we should do? We should expand this thing and uh, and you, you let me take this show as well and we can reach twice as many people. Now, I'll tell you from one aspect from a Christian side, why wouldn't you, if you believe this to be true, why wouldn't you want more people to hear about it? Um, maybe it was the way he, he approached him on it. But as you can see, once again, he's trying to fast track to be the guy behind the pulpit. He wants to be the guy that everyone, you know, everyone's listening and respecting him. He wants to be a leader so bad. Um, James Gilly hears his, uh, hears his, um, his pitch and says, and says he was not interested so he misses,
0: you know, another opportunity a, to try to be a leader. Was that a money making opportunity for that for that gentleman that he would have lost out on?
1: As a businessman, i I as a straight businessman, I'd have said, I'd have, I'd have said, Hey, is he the right guy for the job? Absolutely. Let's double this up. Let's bring in more money. You know, and I'll I'll keep a percentage of it. You know, it's just like a, um, uh, it's just like if you were, um, you know, expanding
0: you know, franchise uh, franchising. It's just yeah. like you
1: were franchising. So uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why he didn't want to do it, but he wasn't interested at all. And this really is the catalyst that sends him looking for a new home again. And he wanders, um, uh, He's he goes to Waco and he wanders into this religious commune. Um,
0: Was he, did he purposely go to Waco or just happened to be in Waco? Do you know that?
1: I don't know. Okay. I don't know what, what took him to Waco. Gotcha. But I know he ends up there, and I know he ends up there, which is where the branch Davidians are. Yep. And that's what that's what connects him to the branch Davidians. Now, let's take a step back. Now we know who we know who David Koresh is. Well we know his he's Vernon. But Vernon he's, Howell. He's Vernon Howell. Let's find out who the branch Davidians are. So the Branch Davidians originated in the nineteen twenties. They're actually called the shepherd's rod originally or nicknamed the Davidians. Um, They had 200 acres of land. They were a self-sustaining group. They were strict Bible followers um, and they believed contact with the outside world was harmful. Um, They eventually expand to 300 acres as the population increased and the the founder of them predicted the end of the world was going to happen in the 1950s. That's a common mistake by by a cultist. I don't know why. I don't know why they think that's a good thing. It never put a date on it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't put date on it. Never put a date on it. Never. On it. Yeah. It, never it, it never ends well. And uh, he he's got too full of himself. He puts a date on it. Surprisingly enough, if you're hearing this podcast, you know how that ends because we're still here. It doesn't happen. And in 1955, He dies and his wife Florence takes over um, shepherd's rod she's they're they're continuing to grow she sells the property and she buys 1000 acres now for, for a guy looking at land himself right now i'm thinking man i can't afford land maybe i start a cult mm-hmm. a good way to get a thousand well, they just acres. say exemption <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so they buy 1000 acres um, and then crazy enough just like, uh, um, just like her late husband, she makes her own claim of 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 an ending of the world is happening in 1955. Um, surprise, surprise again! It does not happen, and it and it uh, doesn't end well uh, in 19. And, and they have a bunch of people leave. They actually had a a, a massive amount of people flock to them, thinking it was the end of the world. And they were all going to spend their last days together. When it didn't happen, uh, a lot of people left. And when a lot of people left, um, in '62, she disbanded the Davidians and she sells the land. Well, one of the one of the branches of the Davidian was
0: so oh, the Branch the Davidians. Branch Davidians. Okay. Um,
1: was uh, Ben Roden? Um, ben Roden in 1973. Um, he buys back some of the original land, and
0: seventy-seven acres worth, and gets the band back together. Yep. Right.
1: Back in their original land, he
0: buys. Kind of it. like Leonard Skinner, like not the full band, but mm-hmm. just enough to where you can still.
1: Just enough where you can still make music. Um, he, he, he's he gets a little smarter, and he wisely prophesies that the end of the world is that Jesus is going to come back, but he doesn't put a date on it. He says, if. Spiritual maturity is reached, Jesus will come back. What a yeah, what a obscure broad, broad <laughs> right, right. So he has no he has he has he has uh he has no intentions of giving up power uh based on a, a date coming and going. If spiritual maturity is reached, Jesus will come back. Um Ben Roden is growing older and and a power and struggle incurs for the next leader between his wife, um Lu, uh Luis and his son, George. This is where it gets kinda interesting. And it is, it's all about power. It, it really is with these guys. So um Luis pulls a fast one because she's gonna have to, you know, fight basically her son for the for, for the power of this organization. And she says the Holy Spirit came to her and told her that the next leader would be a feminine figure. Uh The Holy Spirit came to me. She's not saying <laughs> it's her, she's just saying it's not you, son. It's going to be a, a feminine figure, um, because of her, her seniority and because of what the Holy Spirit says. This allows her to become the next leader of the Branch Davidians. Um, her son George reportedly wasn't very happy about this, but he knew his mom was growing older. He was, you know, mm-hmm. was like, "It's all right. I'll just, I'll just wait out the old hag. She'll die, and I'll, and I'll, I'll be leader." Well, until 1981, that was a good plan because a guy named Vernon walks in to the branch Davidians and starts dating a 77 year old named Luis. <laughs> He's 23 at the time <laughs> If that I, I foreshadowed there's no motive no motive no motive I foreshadowed this I said this guy really wants to be you know looked up to he really wants to be a leader he really wants this is how dedicated this man is to being a
0: leader that old lady's like let's go get you that throne.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> it wasn't that bad.
1: <laughs> so
0: uh, he's eventually allowed to preach
1: um, and he is uh, eventually declared the successor in 86 when uh, Louise dies by now, her, by her, by race. her. Okay. Yep. Now, of course, this doesn't sit well with George, uh, who's been probably faking this cult thing the whole time just so he could be a leader. Now he faked all this time for nothing. So the power struggle between George and Vernon, uh, it gets weird and it gets violent. George has to now like prove that that Vernon is not this uh, you know this prophet and man of God and has no powers. So he, <laughs> he digs up uh, an an old dead body of the member of the cult, lays the dead body at Vernon's feet, and says. If you're really who you say you are, you'll raise this lady from the dead. Well, Vernon knows he can't raise anyone from the dead, and so he does the next best thing, and he goes into town and tells the cops, hey, I'm pretty sure it's illegal. This guy's digging up dead bodies. <laughs> Snitching on your enemies. <laughs> well, and if you think about it, smart move by the by the the cops. And, you know, the sheriff's like, you know what? I'm not going on you weirdos' land, uh, you know, based off of what, what you said. He goes, Get, take a photograph of the dead body and the, and, the dug, and, the, and the grave dug up. And if you show me proof of this, I'll come out there. So um, Vernon and his man, his, his gang of, of merry men go sneaking around. The body's now, like, at uh, um, somewhere close to George's house. And they go sneaking around in the morning to go get a picture of the dead body. Um, George sees them coming up to the dead body with a camera and a firefight ensues. So a firefight ensues. George ends up uh, getting hit in the arm. George goes to the sheriff, says, hey, he shot me. Vernon goes to court, gets arrested. Him and his his cronies go to court and they all get released um, on on self-defense charges um, because George shot first. So um, Vernon and his followers leave, but, but George who's i don't know when he got nicknamed this, but his nickname is the Madman of, uh, the madman of Waco. The, Ver, Vernon and his followers leave. George is now there left to, to rule the roost with the majority of the people and the land that his, his, his mom you know, uh, originally bought, and life is, is fi- finally fine with George, except he can't help himself. And one of his weirdo followers um, self-proclaimed himself to be the Messiah. And George promptly hits him in the head with an axe and kills him. Mm. And spends the rest of his life in prison and goes to a mental hospital. So now that George is gone, Vernon hears about this. And he's like, you know what? I guess there's no more power struggle anymore. Power vacuum. Daddy's coming back. So they they return. Um... He becomes the leader of of the branch Davidians and within a certain time period uh he marries one of the first things he does he marries a fourteen year old well like i told you that is legal in texas you you may not like it but he's it's legal um the in nineteen ninety for i i i read a couple different um Reasons for this. Some people said that, uh, and, if, and actually, listen to it. You can go listen to David Koresh music. He's got he's got his music uh, out that he released music. Um, he probably didn't think the name Vernon Howell was a very cool name uh, to buy music from, so he came up with the name David Koresh, David from the biblical name King David, and um, there was uh, I can't I can't remember the exact story. Koresh after the name of some kind of uh, Roman. Or uh, uh, military person uh, back in Roman times who defended Jews. and so his name is So he came up with the name David Koresh. Um that happened, again, that happened in 1990. So when he's now that he's the leader, the undisputed leader of branch of the branch Davidians, he actually does some good things. Um, George was needing money and he started renting out some of the houses to some crooked people. One of them was, some meth dealers got a meth lab in their house and david koresh says not on my watch you guys get out of here and actually calls the cops on him gets him arrested kind of cleans up the place um you can say a lot of things about david and he is a weirdo and i'm not I'll, i'll refer to him as david now um but he did seem he did seem to be you know oddly um I don't know what the word I want to use. You know, right. You know, kind of justified. Like, you don't, you mean, it's like he he walks, he walks. Just enough. He tips toes down the line, you know. I'm sure, I'm sure if the age of consent was 13, he'd have married a 13-year-old, you know. Um, And even though eventually he says you're allowed to marry more than than one person, well, only he is. He eventually makes up this rule that all the males here have to be celibate, but I'm the only person that can have. uh, He dissolves all their marriages. Uh, and then he takes all their wives, and that's correct. And he and he said, "Hey, it's been prophesied to me that I have to have twenty four sons. And um, and by the way, you guys can't have sex anymore because sex is bad. It's not for you. I don't want to do this, but yeah. someone has to make these twenty four kids, and it's got to come from me. So I'm going to have to have sex. You're welcome. You're, I'm, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. But he legally never takes another wife because that'd be against the law. Mm-hmm. So he does a good job of. Of, of tiptoeing down uh, this th- this line legally, and I point that out because um, I I will say I'll spoil alert he does do some illegal things, but he does do a good job of of being within uh, of not bringing. I believe he know he knew it would bring unneeded and unwarranted attention
0: if if uh, unnecessarily breaking the law. That's right. Yeah. Yep.
1: Um. He eventually has 12 children with eight women so and they're all 14 and over so he's trying um, and they started legal businesses uh, to uh, to create wealth for for the families so they have over a hundred people living in the Branch Davidian community um, um, by the way they're all living in separate houses so when you look at the Branch Davidian compound as you now see it this is how this is how we did it he instructed every member to dismantle their homes and to take all the construction materials, and they're gonna build one big home from all your little homes. They went, they went transformer with it. Wow!
0: And so, I didn't know, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, um, and I'm sure it was a. Uh, it, it's it w- hard
0: enough to sell T-shirts and coffee to people. Can you imagine selling this idea to people and have them go, okay?
1: <laughs> like people back Again, then. I know it sounds weird. Like I'm like I'm giving this guy credit, but I give credit where credits due. Like what, like. As a leader, you know, to have people have that type of trust in you, you yeah. when a guy tells you you'll dismantle your home and they do it, that's crazy. I don't, I don't know. Take a step back. I don't know if that proves what a great leader he was, or just what a what a sucker these guys was. And the truth is, it's probably somewhere. Between, yeah, he's probably
0: like a great narcissist and a great influencer and a great manipulator and mixed yeah, with good him. words. Yeah, manipulator, influencer.
1: Yeah, so this this compound that they end up building, let me just tell you about that a little bit since we're since we got on the subject. Um, has a cafeteria, has a food storage. Um, the food storage was believed to have food for over a year of supplies. It Had a gym, had a pool. They buried a school bus and a bunker system that was only accessible by a uh, by like a trapdoor. Um, you know, to, to hide out, they had, uh, they had fuel tanks. They had a water tower, uh, which is a four story water tower that also served as a, as a lookout tower. Um, so I mean, I'm sure it was, uh, I'm sure it wasn't the code. I'm sure it was a, uh, construction nightmare, but, but, they but did. I mean,
0: and I'm assuming it all came from his brain. So to be able to build a compound from scratch, you know, with your ideas, and have it functioning to a point where right they yeah they lived live in it, it for
1: years yeah and uh, and and they had and, and they had room to grow like they they weren't like hey it's just us there was uh, apparently room to grow uh, in this compound as well so how did they sustain themselves Well, they sustain themselves through tithing a 10 to 20% tithing everyone there had had to tithe their income to him did um, they have jobs outside of it some had jobs outside of it but some had jobs that were connected to the businesses that they started they started three main businesses. One was a uh, a sewing business, little little sew shop, I'm sure, it was a kind of little Chinese Nike sew yeah. shop. Um, one was a auto body repair, and last but not least, um, they owned a gun store called the Mag Bag in town, which which because uh, one of the members had an FFL, and that uh, and that business did very well for him. So. Enter in, you know, to kind of like every whether it's the whether it's uh, an old civilization, whether it's a cult, whether it's political power. There's always someone coming for your job, Mm -hmm. and uh, and the same way, the same way Dave got into power by by sneaking his way in. This guy named Mark Bro um, also started believing that he should be the man. And he should be the one to have sex with all the wives, and um, it's fair. He starts this, he starts this coup, and an unsuccessful coup, and he gets kicked out. Now, this is actually a very important part of the story, because, and again, like Ruby Ridge, where do you where you get your intel from is so important. Mm-hmm. This happened to me as an ODA member uh, overseas when we collect our our own intel, and even even the Delta Force. Validating your intel is everything. And there were a couple missions we almost went on as Green Berets, one in particular, where um, this guy was told us his concrete factory was smuggling uh, weapons through all all the concrete trucks, leaving the concrete factory. We are about to go in there and wreck shop. And you know what we eventually found out? It was a competition? It was the competition.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Good so, on him. We actually,
1: <laughs> we actually went there to talk to the guy uh, to to kind of validate it and said, hey should want to let you know we got this Intel and we'd like to come look at your facility." And so basically did a you know just walked up there instead of doing the hard knock in the middle of the night and yeah. taking by force we just went and talked to the guy and the guy goes, let me guess who told you and gave his com- his, his competitor's name verbatim to us and right away we were like, that's what we thought. We're still going to look at your place, but yeah. we're pretty sure we know what's going on here. So, some stories never change. And that is the story of Mark Bro. Mark Bro gets kicked out. He's not happy about it. He's documented it as saying he's going to get his revenge. And that's exactly what he did. Boy, did he. He makes several, several, many um, phone calls to CPS saying that there are bad things happening to kids out there sexual assault, sexual misconduct, underage sex. Um, CPS takes takes these things seriously, and they made several trips out to uh, the compound. No charges brought against them. I'm sure they left that place going, this place is weird.
0: Yeah, but not, not illegal. But,
1: but they're not illegal. And so the CPS did their job, again and again, several
0: times, and found nothing illegal. And that's the same thing as in cop work, too, is that somebody, a neighbor... They can know. I know they're dealing drugs. I know they are. And every time we go out there, we do our due diligence. And there's just at, at 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 that point in time, right then and there, there's nothing that can be done because there's nothing illegal afoot. Yeah, that we can see.
1: Good word afoot.
0: <laughs> we probably should have done
1: Ruby Ridge first because technically it, it happened before him. Yeah. And, and I'm going to reference it a few times, but don't worry. Maybe maybe it'll just entice you to to watch the Ruby Ridge episode. <laughs> um. Enter the ATF, because he says, he calls the ATF as well, said, hey, he's doing a whole bunch of illegal activities with guns. You really need to look into this guy. Well, the ATF is fresh off of a horrible, disgraceful um, debacle called Ruby Ridge, and the ATF's like, oh, yeah, some weirdos with guns? We could use a victory here. Mm -hmm. And they send guys out to go looking. ATF starts asking around local gun shops and around town, and nobody has anything bad to say about the Branch Davidians or their business dealings with them or no gun shop ever said, oh, yeah, we we know they're, they're doing illegal things with guns. We've heard about it from our customers. Never happened. Not one. In fact, one gun shop owner who knew David called him while the ATF was there and said, hey, I just want to let you know the ATF is here looking for you. And you might want to talk to him. And David Koresh invites him out and says, Oh yeah, have him come on out. Can I talk to him? The ATF agent doesn't doesn't even take the phone. Says, No, I don't want to talk uh-huh. to him. Invites the ATF out. The CPS went out there and looked with their own eyes. ATF, you're out there, you're asking, you wanna know. They invite you out. And they're like, Nah, we're just gonna keep. We're just gonna sneaking around till we find what we want. Yeah. Um they turn it down. So not only not only do they turn that down, they decide to rent a house across the street from the compound. And I think this is in yeah, I'm sure you've, you've heard at least some of the stuff that you know that I've talked about, but you're you're probably caught up to the yeah. to the story now. Cause now we're kind of starting the the documentaries. The, 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 yeah, and the, all the that siege of the documentaries, yeah. This I mean it's like the Keystone Cops. Um, you know this from police work. I know this from my recce work. The hardest thing to do is to do surveillance undetected in a rural area they have I, I don't well i'm guessing 77 acres
0: uh still yeah when something moves or is out of place it's a dead giveaway that something's going on right there you and and they rent the
1: pretty much the only house in the area and it's right across the street uh and they, and and apparently they unload boxes and boxes and boxes of surveillance stuff into into the into the house. That's right across the street from their compound. They know what's happening. Not not they know what's happening, and they're not scared of them, um, or you know, worried about them. They actually send people to the house with food and an invitation to come to their church service. And the ATF agent uh, opens the door, just cracks it. Says the least amount of words he can he can do and slams the door on them, and so those members go back to the compound and report what happened, and now the compound is starting to get it scared. They're like they're you know, we've invited them out to our compound. They said no. Now they're moving in a team to watch us across the street. We tried to be friendly neighbors. You wouldn't even open the door. I'm sure, they took their food. Uh, you won't come to our service. You won't have any interaction with us, and you're cold. This is the beginning of them fearing. This is gonna be a problem. This is going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Handwriting's on the wall. Unless we can unless we can fix this or, or turn the public perception of us around, this is gonna be a problem. So um so David actually lines up a news in, uh, interview because of this. So one of their answers is well just not enough people know about us we, we are this kind of hidden entity and they do fire guns out of their range all the time. They've had complaints about their constant gun firing and I, I get that. Um, but again, nothing illegal yeah um, and so he lines up this this uh, this news interview and you'll hear him and when you hear him talk, what you will hear from any two-way listener out there, is not necessarily a cult leader when he's talking he's talking about an avid to a defender saying that they have weapons they're allowed to have weapons i'm sure you don't you know like to hear the gunfire all the time but you can't just come in here and take our weapons because you're scared of us because you don't know about us you know he goes on to say i can't remember the countries he names but he's like you know this isn't europe and this isn't canada this is our right as american citizens to have guns and you can't just come take our guns and and, uh, and be tyrannical rulers And then question us and then like make, you know, make us justify why we have to have guns. This is America. I'm allowed to have guns. So he actually gives, but granted, I don't think it's the best PR. Yeah. I don't think that's what the ATF wanted to hear. Because, you know.
0: Yeah, because no one likes when you tell them I can do this because I'm an American. The constitutional says it It doesn't really sell it to them, Mm -hmm. you know.
1: So the ATF continues down this road and they, uh. They send in an undercover agent, and now they have an undercover agent inside the compound. Um, David Koresh, he's he's a lot of things, and I, I'm again, I won't shy away from this. He's a weirdo. Um, he probably is doing unethical things or immoral things, at least in my eyes. Um, doesn't doesn't warrant what happened to him. Uh, but he's a smart guy. He is a smart guy, and this guy comes in. And he immediately tags him as an undercover ATF agent. I was going to say,
0: like, Tag- he,
1: it's his church. Yeah. 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 So this guy comes in as a wonder. He's like, ah, I'm interested. I want to shoot guns. I want to learn more about religion, this and that. And David Koresh believes him to be an undercover ATF agent. But what does David Koresh do as a takes smart guy? Him takes him in. Not only does he take it takes him in and shows him things, shows him everything, takes him shooting. He's like, well, this is my chance to, if you won't come to me openly, I know who you are, and I'll plead my innocence through this undercover agent. So they send uh, an undercover agent in. Um, he befriends them. Well, let's see here. And in 1993, the ATF goes to a judge looking for a search warrant. So they are are they they don't care what the evidence is or what the evidence isn't. They are sure of this. And one of the things they, they use for... Uh, um, as reasons for the search warrant, again, no good deed goes unpunished, there's a picture of all his guns um, in the news conference or the, the news interview that he lines up, and they misidentified some 50 cows as illegal 50 cows that were actually legal 50 cows. Mm. Did they misidentify? misidentify. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, you think a, that I, the ATF would know. So <laughs> not only did they use that as as evidence... They, they used the allegations of the CPS as evidence. Um, mind you, the CPS already did their job and already uh, found them to be innocent. Uh, but ATF, that's not your job. Yep. Well, I don't even know why, that, why you're bringing that up, ATF. Two-thirds of the complaints that they used in the search warrant were all from a single source. You know what that single source is?
0: Uh, what was his name mark bro mark yeah
1: mark bro um it's it's kind of crazy uh i will say this and and again this is why you have to watch a a bunch of different documentaries like they you know some all all have their you know have the the point or the case or or the the way they want to paint you know this this scenario um some of them left this out But one does talk about, uh, one of them, one of the complaints that they brought forth was a delivery driver. A delivery driver was delivering a box, and he said the tape broke and some grenade bodies fell out. And he thought that was very suspicious, and he goes and and tells some people about it. Now, they do, not to be a spoiler alert, they they do have a lot of training grenades that was found later. Um, I don't believe they found any live grenades, but they did have training grenades. Why they had training grenades? Couldn't are tell they you. Illegal? Uh, yeah, yeah, but are they illegal? Uh, no, uh, they're, they're, they're not, not grenades. No, training grenades are not illegal. Weird to have. Not Weird illegal to, have, to have. Not illegal. <laughs> now, again, spoiler, we'll go to the end. They had illegal guns. They had manipulated guns to full auto. Um, and that was proven after and that, that was proven uh, after the fact. Uh, but again, the, they they don't know that mm-hmm. at this time. And, you know, not to the end doesn't justify the means. And this is a classic. That's like when your
0: girl goes through your phone and then finds something. But she had no reason to go through your phone. And she's like, but I found something.
1: Just I was trying do, to relate. I, to I, the yeah, cops I'm, out there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a relatable story.
1: Uh, I would say more like, I mean, you know, take it to, you know, take it to a traffic stop. Just can yeah. you search a car? with no reason to search it and then find something during that search and have that hold up in court nope and i cuz the end ju- does not justify the means
0: you know there there has been times where i've been on traffic stops where it was found and then somebody was like oh also i found this too I was like well did you did you find that before you stopped the car because well, cuz mm. sometimes when you get something good and you're like all of a sudden like the the probable cause for the stop is kind of like Ugh. Can you get something more solid and they're like, oh, hold on, give me five minutes. And it's like, eh. <laughs> yeah." So, so even at the uh, at that level of police
1: work, that this this would not this would not fly. Um, by the way, one, one of the things they also brought as to, to bolster their case was reports of a of a meth lab being mm-hmm. uh, being on uh, on their grounds, which is true. However, and you'd have to tell me, and I don't know the the truth about you know the, some of these things uh, I talk about because I'm not law enforcement. It has it one well one that was true, but David Koresh had already kicked that guy out and was the reason he was arrested. But they didn't tell the judge that. They just said they just cherry picked these reports and said there's reports of a meth lab there, which were true. Those reports were out there, and David Koresh already corrected this problem. But is it true that? There's a length of, of intel has to be, information has to be relevant within six months or, or it, it passes the, the, the length of time they can use within a, a warrant, uh, a search.
0: Yeah. Every brand, every level is different at the federal level. Probably not. I mean,
1: so again, I don't know. I can't only one documentary said this, but it said, uh, you know, they have a six month lifespan on, on, on reporting to go off of, and this would have exceeded that. Mm. Regardless, it doesn't matter because it was a half-truth reporting that because he'd already been arrested and taken off the facility, ironically enough, by David Koresh. So that is the the judge grants a knock warrant. Try not to laugh about that if you know what the, what the ATF eventually does to this compound. They were granted a knock warrant.
0: Yeah, that's the same as you seeing me with drugs. Going like, hey, police! Tyler's got drugs. I'm arrested for drugs out, you know, outside in the parking lot. And then them coming in and writing a search warrant and finding a little bit where the drugs were. It's like, no, that's the drugs that Tyler had. Well, I don't. Well, when I say knock warrant, I I don't know. Apparently, the ATF
1: views a knock warrant as a hundred man assault force sieging a compound. Uh, th- what they ended up doing was the furthest thing from a knock warrant. Anyway, uh, according to reports, they knew that, and they were just going to ask for forgiveness later. That's how bad they wanted this. Mm. Um, mind you, David Koresh goes on a jog almost daily, and he jogs on his jogging path is right in front of the surveillance house that the ATF has. He also works uh, at, the, at the mag bag, makes trips in, into town all the time. If you wanted David Koresh, one cop car could have got David Koresh any time you wanted him. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't understand their, you know, their. The maybe they wanted. The maybe
0: they wanted him to be with the firearms for a stronger case that they right. already said they don't have enough strength right.
1: for. In and they had an undercover agent, you know, you know, on uh, inside with and they had they would have other undercover agents come out and shoot with, with uh with David Cresh. Um and I just and David Kresh had already invited them out. So there's just to me, I mean, and I as I was I, I'm usually sympathetic. And I say hey, hindsight's always twenty twenty and it's hard you know, it's easy to armchair quarterback this. But this one is hard to understand why with all that on the table, knock warrant, he runs you know undercover agents down that you know are are in there yet you're using intel from from old meth lab reports you're using intel from uh, a disgruntled member of this and cps reports that have already found to uh, come up you know unfruitful i just i don't understand why you believe all this now get the boys together we're going to go train up in fort hood for 3 days and we're going to do
0: a daylight assault. Bring, bring everyone. How long, and it's only, I say this, but it's only what, like 10 years after? No, maybe 20 years when it happened. But, I mean, like, look at the amount of preparation and intelligence uh, verification went through to find an assault. The most wanted man in the world. All that, that time. That Okay, we know it's him. How long before they actually executed that? You know, as opposed yeah, to months, the, and months and months and, the and ATS, months. The ATS like now nah, gotta do it now.
1: You gotta do it now. <laughs> I don't know if this is true. Please, all you guys that uh, are smarter than me and and uh, we'll we'll put it down in the comments. Um, I don't know if this is true, but I'll go off on some of these conspiracy theories. So I'll I'll, enter, I'll entertain some people on this. Some people say they were hungry for a a win after after Ruby Ridge and they wanted one they wanted one right now. They thought this was it and they were going and they were going to make this their victory. And they wanted one quick. I don't I don't think that's a I don't think that's a crazy conspiracy. No. It um, it sounds
0: political. It sounds the, like the it, other one Oh, go ahead. It just sounds like the ATF like you're saying is like we need to look good. But I've seen that at the local level, you know. Like all right, well, this house is a problem house. No, it's got a couple turds that smoke weed in the driveway and will waste tens of thousands <laughs> of dollars in resources right. because they, that house in particular happens to be living in the neighborhood of a council member. Right. And so it's just, I mean, it's not yeah. the same by any means, but it's still. It's similar. It's similar, right, yeah.
1: Um, Another person said, or yeah, another. Uh, Article and I, I mean I went everywhere for information. You know, I, I mean, I, again, I, if you have to be careful, you go for information. But you but you look at it all. You know, and you this is the whole body of work, and you kind of decide what you think is was right or not. Um, talked about, you know, the the ATF was on the chopping block and 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 was and needed after Ruby Ridge and needed funding and needed more funding and this was a way for them. I know it's similar, but instead of politically driven, it it was dri- uh, driven funding wise. Mm-hmm to prove you need us and we need a bigger budget because there's bad guys like this. Um and then when you go into the uh the belly of the internet beast into the fringe right wing uh people they'll say it was basically two way driven. Bill Clinton is now in charge the Democrats are very, you know, anti-2A, and they are going to send a message to to gun owners and you know, and to gun owners that have large stashes and would dare, um, dare uh, expand on and or threaten, you know, more the the, the more their policies of less guns, and they're going to go after those people. And so again, politically driven, but politically driven in a different way, yeah. where it's anti-2A on the Clinton administration. Magnet has a question or comment, he did the ban in and he did the ten-year assault weapon ban in '94, which was just a year later. Yeah, I I I painted that probably un un unfairly, saying that it was a fringe right-wing thing. Um, but I I say that because that's where I got the most of that information from of people giving that that uh, that that argument, and it's probably and the answer is probably D. They're all true. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, all (laughs) the above. Why, Why pick one? All right. So the ATF goes to Fort Hood, and for three days they train up on this mission. now they uh, it uh, it was called Operation Trojan Horse, which shows you the mentality of what they know they needed. They needed speed, surprise, and violence of action,
0: and to not be noticed. Until Mainly surprise, yeah,
1: surprise. Trojan horse. They needed that surprise. It was a big flat land. Um, it had a it had a lookout tower. It was it is very hard to get a large a large assault force and and into and uh, into that environment. Yeah,
0: you'd see them coming a mile away. Mm-hmm.
1: Their intel showed that they were working on a uh, a storm shelter, and most of the men call it pattern of life. Most of the men were. Every day we're working on that storm shelter, so their plan was to come in on cattle trucks, which, to be honest with you, is actually a pretty good plan. Yeah, you know, and don't get me wrong, I mean it's going to be weird that you know these cattle trucks are are coming up the driveway, but it doesn't exactly scream assaulters. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, it's a lot better than bearcats. I don't know that bearcats back then, but uh, what they have,
0: they have. Was it Bradleys they used at first?
1: Oh uh, well, yeah. We'll get into the arsenal yeah. that uh, that they bring to bear when 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 the uh, when the cattle truck raid doesn't work out but their their plan was to bring cattle trucks uh in early morning when they thought most of the men would be outside the compound and it briefed as as an easy day. They thought they'd be in and out in a couple hours. So I would also I also believe in their arrogance and in their need to have a public victory, they tell the media the day that the raid is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And they want the media to see this and they want the media to see, you know, this this weird cult getting taken down and all these illegal firearms brought out and them being the good guys.
0: Everybody coming out in handcuffs. Well, as fate would
1: have it, that's that's one of their downfalls was inviting the media to it because one of the media trucks gets lost uh, and stops a postal uh, a mailman. And says, "Hey, do you know where the Davidian Branch compound is? Because there's an ATF raid happening today, and we're... Well, he doesn't say that. He just goes, hey, do you know where the Davidian Branch compound is?'" He goes, "Sure," and gives him directions. He goes, well, "By chance? Well, why do you want to know?" He asks them, and the reporter tells the truth. He goes, "Yeah, there's a large ATF raid happening on it today, and we're here to cover it." Oh, you know who that guy happened to be? Uh, one of the Branch Davidians, right? David Koresh's uh, brother-in-law. <laughs> so David Koresh's brother-in-law, who is the mailman. Hauls ass back to the compound and tells everyone get ready they're coming. So the guys who were getting ready to go work on the uh, on the shelter don't go work on the on the storm shelter. And as fate would have it, the undercover agent was talking to David Koresh when you know when, when, when this when this ha- when when the mailman, the brother-in-law comes in and says they're coming for me. And he turns to the un- the undercover agent which is still undercover and says they're coming for me aren't they he makes up he in his own testimony he gets so nervous he's he makes up a bad excuse says oh hey i got a i got a breakfast meeting i forgot about and he goes out to his car and his hand is shaking so bad he has to use his left hand to to steady his hand to unlock his car to to leave um that's that's how smooth. That's how smooth these guys are. Yeah. Um
0: he Look at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at the time. Got to go. Um um you might get into this uh, if if I'm going too far into it, let me know. But he David has been telling these people that the holy war is going to be with the federal government, right? Has he been prepping them like or
1: I I I didn't come across you know that and this and this is why I, I do love it when, you know we both do research there's so much information you know uh, out there on that you know if if you know, if I miss something is that something you, you came across yeah it, as a right winger I don't you know calling it just, him one yeah you know, I don't uh, as an extreme two way guy it kind of lines up I mean because you know, logically profile
0: uh, logically I was to think like if I was a follower I'd be like why is the Holy War going to have anything to do with the federal government? But these people also were convinced to tear down their homes and build a giant compound and give their wives to him. So
1: Right. They're, uh, they're malleable. <laughs> they're malleable. I guess gullible would probably be the yeah. b- better, a better word. It's probably trying to be nice about it. But no, no need to be nice about that. That's just gullible. So he comes in, tells them, ATF agent takes off. The, ATH, the ATF agent, the undercover ATF agent... Goes right to the surveillance house and says, I also find this to be a a little bit ironic. You have an undercover agent in the house the morning that you're going to take it down. He clearly doesn't know. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you pull out your undercover agent? How does he not know about this? (laughs) That's to me. That's that's crazy to me. He doesn't. What was his name? Uh, I, I didn't write it down. It's, 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 it's out there. Nobody just, was supposed to tell him, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who do we
0: task that to?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're in their cattle trucks. Anyone tell Brad we were coming? <laughs> so he, I, I find that to be, uh, to be odd, but this is the beginning of a lot of, just to be honest, a lot of Bush league things yeah. that they were, you know, that they had done and are doing. They're just unprofessional. Um, and, uh, so he goes to the to the surveillance house and he goes, Call off the raid. They know they know we're coming. Yeah. Call off the raid.
0: And they absolutely, absolutely, positively should have called off that raid. In law enforcement, I can tell you, unless there's a hostage situation, any raid would be called off if there was intelligence that they knew you were coming. Is in a direct action military would that would that constitute you guys uh and
1: canceling it? So I say this, and I can tell you stories where where we went when they they knew we were coming. And the first time that happened to me, we paid the price on it, and I buried a good friend of mine. Those are two different scenarios, and I'll tell you why. When a high-value target is involved, whether they know you're coming or not, and you now know this is where he is and he moves all the time, and you don't get another shot at him. I understand that. I don't understand this. Mm -hmm. You can call this off. They're not moving. They're in a compound. You know where he's been at for months. You know where he he's been out for years. Time. He goes outside all the time. You could so easily have called off this raid and been like, "Hey, we, you know, we let's let's rethink this." They absolutely should have, and they didn't. And I don't. I'm um, I'm gonna go out on a limb. It's my opinion, but it's it continues down there how bad they want this win and a little bit of their arrogance mm-hmm. like this. So the raid continues. The raid goes off. Um, just uh, they, they, the the assaulters you know, even note this when they went through in cattle trucks and they they saw the storm shelter. They did their due diligence. They know you know what the you know what the intel is and what they should be saying. And they all remember seeing, having a bad feeling when there were no males outside working when they were supposed to be working.
0: Oh, I didn't even think about that.
1: They knew that. And so that's when this is begins to not feel right. Mm-hmm. um
0: sitting with no cover in a cattle truck. Just oh, con- man, just concealment.
1: it. <laughs> How many guns they have? <laughs> so they unasked the cattle trucks um and i I kind of get it but I, but, I, but, I, I, but I don't um i I've sh- people are gonna yell at me for this, but it's just true. I've shot dogs on target. You know, and again, it goes back to Ruby Ridge. There was a dog, a dog getting shot that uh, that that kind of started the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, ironically enough, a dog getting shot kicks off everything going awry. Um, in my opinion, there's a this is where you get a lot of different views. Uh, it's just chaos. This this first couple hours of the siege is just absolute chaos. So one story is well, it's not a story. They shot the dog. They shot the dog. They had one dog with four puppies. I don't know if they shot the puppies. Um, they definitely shot the dog coming in, and the sh- the shooting of that dog is may have been what what uh, triggered the Branch Davidians to start firing back in self defense.
0: In all of the 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 no, they did it. No, they did it. No, they did it. The first one was who even fired the first shot? That's like it's it's based off of opinion almost
1: right and so the ATF swears up and down that they didn't shoot that nobody shot first you know on their side uh, that the, the the people who shot were the uh, that they were acting in self-defense because the tyrants inside the compound shot at, shot at them um, and we'll probably never know uh, the truth on that but I believe very much believe that if that didn't kick it off it definitely heightened everything going on because everything you're scared of is now coming to fruition. The feds are coming after you. They're killing your dogs. Shots are now have now rung out and everybody's on
0: edge. Yeah. And what I also learned was that these people really, really did fear law enforcement as, uh, an opposition and an invasive force. They didn't understand the concept even of oppressive government coming to take our guns. They, from what I gathered, these people with the followers really did think that they were going to come in and kill everybody.
1: And I'll I'll kind of um, get nitpicky with this. I believe they thought that with the feds, both local law enforcement, I, I don't believe that's the case, and I'll tell you why. Uh, David Kresh made several phone calls to the to the local sheriff. Mm-hmm. He's like, I want to talk to the sheriff.
0: Wow, this was happening or before? D- well,
1: d- during the during this during the fifty one day siege, oh, yeah, he yeah. reached out and talked to the sheriff. So I believe don't get me wrong, I don't believe he had full trust in, in in law enforcement in general, but I believe they had at least enough trust and you know and at yeah. least a working relationship, we'll call it, with local law enforcement. Um, but I but the feds, I don't think they trusted the feds at all. And mind you, again I don't even trust the feds. We say it all yeah, I've, this is probably the third time I said it. Ruby Ridge, that happened just six months ago, and this has got to be fresh on 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 their minds yeah. as well. Um, so here's the other Here's the other bush league thing that happens and may have kicked it off. I don't know. Uh, one of the ATF officers shoots himself in the leg climbing a ladder.
0: Ooh, see, they leave some of this stuff out of the uh,
1: documentaries now, and. I can tell you uh, from experience, we have fired uh, guys from OTC. You know, when you're when you're fresh, doing a lot of ladders, and we <laughs> for, oh, I well, we won't say that. We, we, we just use ladders. We'll just say that. I won't get too specific. <laughs> um, Beep. <laughs> yeah, that that is a that is a tough time. You can absolutely um, discharge your weapon on a ladder. I tell you how. And I tell you how it happens. One, not having your finger inside the trigger well, like all firearm safety, is the biggest thing, because once you start grabbing rungs on a ladder, you start doing this. You start grabbing, and you normally do mm-hmm. this, and it's and it's just, it's too easy. To discharge a weapon on a ladder, ATF agent shoots himself in the leg. Now, if you're on a ladder, shooting yourself in the leg it means you're right up against the compound. Like you were, that that gunfire that comes out happens right on the other side of that wall. There's, um, again, I don't know exactly who shot first, but we all know uh, a massive amount of fire happens. Um, David Koresh actually, as this is kind of starting, he runs outside, unarmed, waving his hands in the air, um, yelling, "Stop! Don't do this! There's women and children inside! Don't shoot!" Like so that shows, yeah. As an assaulter, like that. When I see that, you're, you're always profiling people, engaging. You know how people are, are acting, how they act towards you, uh, demeanor. That's not the you know. That's not the demeanor of some crazed. I'm going I'm I'm going down in a in a, uh, you know, in a, in a hail of, of gunfire
0: like he's trying to protect his people. He's unarmed. Could you could you see it as how people would maybe say that he's hiding behind women and children? Well, I couldn't say he's hiding behind women, and children, because he's out in the front. Everyone else
1: is inside the. What else is inside the compound. Not literally,
0: but, but yeah, like, fig- figuratively, he's using women and children as don't, don't, you can't do oh, this. Oh, you,
1: you, using like the subject of women yeah. and children
0: hiding behind it.
1: Um, probably. Yeah. And well, and I, and I believe rightfully so. And you it's know? also been, there's rightfully been no, so.
0: there's been no intelligence that any of these people are being held against their will. So that's another um, big thing.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that. that, that that's in my notes because after this, we'll, we'll get to it. Okay. You're absolutely right. This is not a hostage rescue uh, situation and never was um, and is not going to be when the, you know, as the siege uh, unfolds. So David Koresh comes out unarmed yelling, don't shoot. There's women and children inside. And he gets shot. And, and his father-in-law, which is behind him, gets shot and killed. So there's a barrage of bullets coming his way and I have to I have and hes to, clearly unarmed and he's clearly unarmed and this isn't the first time they um, they shoot unarmed people uh, and we'll get into more of that as uh, chronologically so the chaos ensues there's an exchange of gunfire there's also helicopters with snipers uh, on it they shoot an unarmed man who was cleaning uh, the water tower as his job they shoot him and kill him unarmed um they're just and they're indiscriminately firing into the house i have a problem with that and i get it like when you're taking fire you know this is, but this isn't combat you know what i mean like in in one aspect you know if you're patrolling and from a wood line to the right you start taking you know a hail of fire you may return fire indiscriminately to return fire and try to you know at least uh not putting that on paper uh no well th- well no that's, that's not true I mean as a seven eight tactic
0: you're supposed to do that oh you meant on a on a patrol yeah, on a, a patrol military. I'm talking patrol. about on a, pa- on a military patrol yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I get been that there's guys that got hemmed up
1: you know, oh in this situation they know the amount of women and children in there they know how flimsy and you know and
0: built by by wood the structure is they even mention it and it looks d- like it was built by two by fours and plywood
1: that's right and they're just indiscriminately firing into this compound. I I have a problem with that.
0: And, you know, and it's funny too. I think that I mean, this is just my opinion and probably not proven anywhere, but in that generation of agents, so tactical agents at that, you know, whatever they were, I don't know what ATS tactical team was called, but those guys were probably maybe some Vietnam veterans that you know, you ever seen uh, you that's remember, true. Remember, right. yeah. remember yeah, remember in Die Hard? Where yeah. he's in the chopper and he's like, "Oh, this reminds me of Saigon," and he oh. just goes nuts and starts shooting. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's a good point. You know, they they may have those type of you know um, those those training scars, if you will, yeah. or actual battle scars from from returning fire. But yeah. at the end of the day, you have to change gears. Mm-hmm. You're now a law enforcement, a federal law enforcement officer, and you can't just shoot wildly into a building with women and children. Um, another uh, bush league. Move on their part was a lot of the guns they were there to find that day. Were gone, at a gun show. Ooh, how do you not know that? How do you not know they didn't? Yeah, you know, they didn't load up guns and take them to a gun show. You would have think that and, would be the intel that
0: undercover agent might have gotten.
1: <laughs> the undercover agent, the surveillance, you know, observation post, uh, open source intelligence. Uh, there's a lot of things that they should have known that was uh, the case. So that's just another. This is another indicator that this was just poorly executed in, 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 in every in every sense. Um, here's another just big problem I have. Speaking of the uh, the gun store, Mike Schroeder was working at the mag bag. His wife and kids are are at the compound. He catches wind that that there is a siege happening and his wife and family is there. What would any husband do? He gets in his car he drives there, he parks, and he, he, I don't, he parks, apparently it seems like he doesn't go through the, you know, the, the line of feds. He parks, he knows the lay of the land. He parks somewhere and he tries to run into the, the building to, to, uh, to unite with his wife and kids and see if they're still alive. He gets shot in the back seven times on his way, trying, trying to make it to the house. Unarmed, shot seven times. That's that's crazy to me. Yeah. Um, And his dead body, uh, his dead body laid there um, for seven days and they only moved it once they once they found out that wild dogs were eating his dead body and they decided to go move his dead body again. It just goes into, you know, the the whole storyline of of who these of, of who the feds were. Yeah, at at yeah. the time. I'm not saying how all feds are and who they are now, but I'm t- telling you what they're capable of.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just like, um, what do you call that? Like gas. I mean, this is a shitty pun, but you know, throwing gasoline on a fire. Like you're already there doing what you're doing, and then you gotta just rub it in by leaving a guy you just shot. Oh, there's unlawfully dead right. there in front of everybody.
1: And there's reports. It's not. Well, I won't say reports, as if on. There's I've heard the 911, you know, phone or the not 911. The the phone calls with the negotiators where they're calling and said, "Hey, can you have your agents out on the perimeter stop mooning us and flicking the bird at us?" How unprofessional is that? Like that is that don't get me wrong, I get it. They lost they lost Ben there too, and and I get that. But you are law enforcement, yep. you're the federal higher government. Standard. You're that's right. You're you're put to a higher standard. Um the initial gun battle was 2 hours long and during this 2 hours there were several 911 phone calls from the, the compound begging them for a you know that was their way of communicating because they hadn't talked to negotiators yet begging them for a ceasefire saying there's women and children here you're killing women and children please please stop shooting please stop shooting please stop shooting they only agreed to a ceasefire 2 hours later some reports said they were out of ammo that the feds were out of ammo and that's why they agreed to the ceasefire
0: i heard i heard that they the ceasefire was because they had a wounded atf agent that was bleeding out and he was able to communicate with the guys that were trying to get to him you know so they were like hey can we go can we wave white flags and let us go pick this guy up
1: i you know what? It, and even if that's true, uh, and, and to be with you, I I hope that's true. That's a much better story than you know. it's more real. Yeah, um, it is a much better story than they they I only know, decided know. to if you know, they were out of ammo. Um, but either way, game on. Either way, that's right. The either way, at the, end of the day, they only agreed to a ceasefire when it was advantageous. Yeah. you know. Yeah, for, for them, and not for the women and the children inside the compound. Um, and. Hey, by the end of this, they were, and just to give you the numbers and to tell you how deadly this was, over 80 Branch Davidians died, not, not right now, but Mm. I I don't know what the numbers were on the, between the invasion and what uh, happened at the end, which we'll tell you, but we're talking about over 80 Branch Davidians died, 25 children and two pregnant wives died during this ordeal. So yeah, I gotta, and don't get me wrong, I'm the first one to tell you, hey, um, that wouldn't happen to that guy if he would have mm-hmm. if he would have complied. I'm I'm a big fan yeah, we're going of to compliance.
0: Pass that. We're at we're dealing with this issue and how because yeah, it's but, obviously they're not going to comply and you should treat it as if as a law enforcement entity even though you can't prove and there's no indication why you should always think that those people right. are going to be subject to whatever is going to happen. But I'm also a big fan because i I'm fair. I feel like I'm fair with law
1: enforcement. If a law enforcement officer is being um, is treating a suspect correctly and he's just not complying, that's all on the suspect. But when the law enforcement officer is the one escalating the situation, when it was he was just stopped for speeding, you know, you're trying and you're treating him like he's a, you know, a a wanted murderer. You know, you escalated the situation and yes, he should have complied. But, you know, you're you're at fault for being in this situation Mm -hmm. that falls to this. You'd have never been in this, situa- in this situation asking or needing compliance from them if you didn't wildly escalate it from the start. Um, again, goes on for, for two hours. Um, I've, I do have the numbers here. forty ATF agents died in, uh, in the initial siege, 20 injured, and six Branch Davidians are, are dead.
0: So... They had to wait two words two uh, agents were dead on the roof that they had to wait until the siege was over in order to not the siege sorry the uh, initial gunfight was over in order to and i don't know if that, i don't know if that was during the white flag you know uh, ceasefire where they were able to do it but they yeah during the whole time they couldn't get him cuz it logistically was impossible to get those bodies off the roof
1: yeah and again, i'll i'll say this one more time about about compliance at the end of the day this is not how i would have handled it if uh, if i was the leader of this group They would have, they would have came in heavy handed and we would have already been on the ground with our hands behind our back laying on the ground and you already invited them in. Now, now they're coming, you know, it's not the way you wanted it to happen. So again, I don't want anyone to misconstrue this as if me and I, I know you or me or you are saying this is justified. Absolutely not justified, but, but this is what's happening. Um, so now the, now, you know, the uh, you know, the feds and, and all it, and everyone else besides just the HRT are, are are coming in and it's treated like a hostage rescue, uh, you know, um, mission with the with their rules of engagement and their negotiators and, and, and the way they're looking at it. But the truth is, it's not a hostage rescue mission. Not one person is there against their will. David Koresh on several uh, on, 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 on several times, several instances, says, hey, if anyone wants to leave inside here, you are free to leave. And some people took him up on that. And I'll, we'll go over those numbers and tell you when it happens. But we're, this is not a hostage rescue situation. Um, over the 51-day standoff, 754 calls were made to and from uh, the, the uh, negotiators. You will find out if you guys you know, look further into this. There is a massive disconnect between the negotiators and what the feds on the ground are doing. Yes, the, the, the negotiators have, have come out and said publicly, "I believe we could have saved twenty to thirty more people mm-hmm. if it wasn't for your antics." Yeah, it was the, the
0: tactical versus the uh, versus the what do you call what was a good word for tactical versus the operational.
1: Yeah, it you know, was it was essentially aspect. it was
0: negotiators versus HRT, and it, they weren't they weren't communicating. They were not on the same page, and. uh and that the, the agent, the special agent in charge or the director, or whoever was in charge of the whole thing with everybody underneath him at the end of the, and I know I'm jumping forward, but he was pressed for time and money and people were like, let's get this done. And of course your direct action or your hostage rescue is going to be the quickest way to fix something.
1: Which is crazy to me because time and money is something the government has. <laughs> it's so true. You know, I, I just, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, they uh, take 25% of mine, so.
1: Right. R- really, I, and I would, you, you, but you're right. I mean, time and money, but, but I would probably say more or less, this is now a, a massive, it's just, this this turned into what was supposed to be a massive success is now another massive failure. And yeah. every day it goes by, they just, and I think, it, they just want it to be over I with. think
0: it's also, too, when you're like talking to your kid and you're like, one, two, two and a half, and you're oh, like, yeah. holy shit, am I going to have to get to three and what's going to happen? So you're like, two and three quarters, and then you're like, well, now i have to be i have to be strong at three and spank my toddler
1: it's it's funny you say that because that's that's you know that's exactly what happened um we'll go over you know uh just some of the things that that happened during this 51 day siege um they were believed to have uh, i kind of talked about earlier a year's worth of food and and water uh stored up so there is a part of them that's like, this isn't your normal type of, we can just we, we can just hang around and, and wait them out, and they will come out. They were going to be there for kind of as long as they wanted to be yeah. there. And so I do get that aspect of it. This isn't your normal situation where you can wait them out. Um, however, their water tower was damaged on the initial volley of fire, had a bunch of holes in it. It was leaking water, and they were seen harvesting rainwater off off their roofs. Um, so, which also goes to show them they were, they were ready to be there for, for the long haul too. So they did have to make a decision at some point. And again, at this point, there is no good or right decision. That right decision should have been done long before this. Now they've made their bed. Um, the David made a deal to release two kids every time that, uh, his pre-recorded message was played on the radio station. A total of 16 kids were released that way and two elderly women. Um, and you can see during this ordeal, they desperately were trying to get their message out, uh, to the press. They even hung, uh, a, a, um, uh, a white sheet out of a window talking about, you know, how they want, they want to talk to the press and they want the press to, to hear their, their side of the story. Um, FBI starts using
0: tanks and destroying cars and buildings. Yeah, that's another thing, too. And they didn't tell or have any rhyme or reason why. So when they're calling the negotiators and saying, like, hey, they're running over our cars to be dicks. And negotiators have no idea that they're doing it or why they're doing it. And it's just it's just showing that we have tanks out here. You know what's crazy? You can hear the
1: negotiators in these phone calls try to make excuses for them because mm-hmm. they're clearly on different sheets of music. And these like... Well, you kind of, you know how it is, you know, where with, with these kids are in tanks. It's part of their first time in a tank. It's their first time being able to, you know, run something over and do something. so they're just, you know, you, you know, kids are being kids, you know, talking about the guys in tanks. Um, the negotiator was doing the best they could to try to cover for absolute shenanigans also, that, was, that was going also,
0: on. Also, I don't think the negotiators knew that they were going to play the uh, blast, the music, and the sounds. Yeah. Uh, which I was watching an interview with one of the negotiations negotiators, and he said, "You know, it is a pro- it's proven that this does nothing but make it worse. In every situation that we've tried to blast music, it just agitates them, and there's no more communication."
1: I hate to bring it up again. They should have known that from Ruby Ridge that uh, that was a massive mistake on on their. They
0: on, did it on, on Ruby Ridge.
1: Oh yeah, and it was heartbreaking how they did it on Ruby Ridge. Again, little 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 teaser yeah, there. We'll go back to that. Um, and they, uh, one of the concessions was the the guy that died on, on the water tower, unarmed, they were able to bury him in the front yard it was a concession that that was made. The tanks were rolling over the grave constantly as well, pissing off everyone inside. Um, just they the guys in the tanks and the guys in the perimeter did not help the situation. And over and over, as we, as we mentioned, the negotiators were just not in sync with, with it. The whole process was not a well oiled machine and in sync and communication uh, going up and down the lines. Um FBI starts using tanks. We talked about that. Uh there's some more releases with some small concessions. Twelve more leave when David asks if anyone wants to leave. We talked we you know, we, we mentioned that. This happens at this point. He goes, Hey, you know, it's 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 been a week. Is, is anyone rethinking what they want to do? And, and twelve people say, "Yeah, we're not we're we're not as committed as you are. we're yeah. out." And he lets them out. They all get arrested uh, immediately.
0: Another thing, in front of everybody that they're trying to get out, they took them in jumpsuits. And I, this is what I said. I or heard, said I read that it was literally orange jumpsuits and handcuffs in front of the people that were watching out the windows that they're trying to convince to come out.
1: Just, I, and, it's like you I, can't drive them down I, the road, right? You can't. Like they, they couldn't have just fumbled this. Yeah, in and, and, and every in and, and every step, they just they fumble it over and over again. Um, and like you already said, at this point, they start the psyop campaigns with loud noises and lights uh, all night. Uh, a few more get released on their own will, and they get arrested. Here's something that just kind of makes me chuckle a little bit. Uh, over this over the period of this, two people sneak in just religious zealots they're watching it on TV they're like man i really feel for these people they sneak in two different people over over the course of this <laughs> sneak right by the the fed lines knock on the door and 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 come in to the uh come in the compound like you want to talk about porous containment mm. like how does that how does that happen
0: somebody was complacent
1: oh man um they uh, they end up in, in, a, in a move kind of you know, uh, looking for more time. They're like, hey, uh, wait, you know, Passover is coming. Um, I think it's like a week long, which is a long time. Maybe it was five days, but like, hey, Passover is coming. Let us let us uh, acknowledge Passover, and when Passover is done, then we'll all come out. So there seems to be a uh, an end to the siege. Uh, at some point Passover comes and goes, but because of some of these antics and antagonistic, uh, uh, and, uh, tactics that they're using, they claim that that's why they didn't come out when they said they were, because they didn't, because they were continuing to, to the, to be the aggressor they weren't
0: holding up their end of the negotiations.
1: Um, you know, we talked about the the, the the tanks rolling over grays and people flipping uh people off and mooting people. And this th- at this point, the government's like, hey, uh, and it's actually at the very top, Janet Reno goes, Hey, this it's it's time. In in this. And they they give her their CS plan. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna CS the whole building and get and get people out. Janet Reno uh approves us personally at that level. Um I'll be interested to take your you know be interested in your take on this. Ironically enough, C S is now um taken off the like right before this happens, the government says we won't use C S in combat anymore. It's a chemical weapon.
0: In oh on in Conus and on, on stateside? No, oh, they, or... militarily. Oh wow.
1: But Janet Reno at the same time says, Well, oh, but we'll we'll use it on our on our own citizens. It's poisonous? It's 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 chemical warfare.
0: At the end of the day, it's a chemical whatever, and
1: it's yeah. chemical warfare. Okay. And so we we decided to say we're we're not going to use C S. Um, but they're gonna use it against their their, their own people. Mm. Now so they start ripping holes, they, they use tanks with these long arms and they start ripping holes in walls to create, you know, space and, and entry points for, for this CS. Now
0: that that is different. That is different than entering CS through windows. And then using a tank to push open the front of the house so you can effectively, because that's what they said. They said we, we weren't able to get the bunker, so we need to push the front door and the frame and the front of the house in with tanks in order to effectively do that. And again, that takes away from the less lethal, like, because they were saying, hey, they were saying, I watched this clip, they were like, this is not an assault. This is, we are gassing your building, do not fire upon us as they're pushing in. This is not an assault. And they're pushing in the front of the building. Sure,
1: the it tank. feels like an assault. I'm sure that's... Uh, you yeah. promise? It, right, yeah. Yeah. And and we've seen how good their word is so far. <laughs> um, so they start pushing it in. So the CS comes in canisters, and it comes in, uh, in in a powdered form, and they have to mix, and they have to mix it. I'm not a CS expert. Someone uh, will, will will let us know. I, I tried to look down this. I just couldn't find enough. Sure I didn't have enough time and 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 uh, and go down this road far enough. I don't know if it's normal, but they diluted it with paint thinner. They did. That's what they diluted it with. And I'm sure I'm sure somewhere in the books it's an acceptable mixing agent. Here's the problem with paint thinner. Paint thinner is highly flammable. flammable. <laughs> highly flammable. So that's. That's what they used um to, to mix the uh the CS with. Um CS uh the, you know tanks continue to, to crush the structure. Now I don't know if it happened now or later on when the tanks continued to, to crush the structure. There were many bodies found with crushed by tank treads. They killed people with tanks. Are now sure I don't didn't? believe I don't believe they knew that. I don't believe they they willingly say we're going to go, you know, run the and, and one place where I know it happened was the gymnasium. So when they were tearing down the walls and running tanks into those walls, there were they were kids and uh, adults asleep and ran and ran them over with tanks. Oh god. So bad that. that one tank became um one tank became immobilized by a by a human bone caught up in the tank tread and they had to tow it out. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just bad. Um, so the F. Here's where it gets crazy. So the FBI now they will say that the that the uh, Branch had Molotov cocktails, and I believe they did. Whether they used them or not, I, I don't know. But I do know this: the feds threw in incendiary 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 grenades. <laughs> you just added two more
0: syllables. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Can we, can we edit that out?
0: I should. <laughs> How do you say it? Incendiary. Incendiary. Incendiary,
1: incendiary yeah. grenades. The fe- and I know that to be a fact because when it was all done and being burned down, they those metal those metal bodies you know survived the flame and you could see them. We know for a fact they added a fire starting propellant mm. you know in, into this situation. So of course paint thinner you threw incendiary grenades in there it goes up like a like a ball of a ball of flames as you can see that thing doesn't there's also there's also videos of of guys on this tank shooting into the compound as they're on top of these tanks are they returning fire through self defense that I don't know but they're shooting inside the building while they're throwing these these
0: these grenades in are we too are we at the point of talking about the fire starting and we still got some more to go well that's that's I mean that's that is the fire starting you know uh, on the uh, on the opposite side uh I guess HRT snipers were saying or maybe it was a, somebody with a vantage point was saying they watched uh three locations ignite randomly against the wind or against the wind where it wouldn't make sense where the wind was pushing it and they were fire okay. you know so. well to talk about a perfect storm here
1: you have you know, you the the chemical accelerant that you put in there, and then of course, what's needed to cause it to start fire, then incendiary air grenades, and then you opened up all these holes, and it was a windy day, and it was
0: built with two by fours and plywood, and built
1: with two <laughs> by fours. It was with those with those combinations. It was meant to be a. It was it was going to be a, a fireball, which yeah. is what it ended up being. I will say this as a you know as an asterisk. It's well known that 20 to 30 people came out of one side of the building after the fire started. But only eight of those people survived. And you can watch news interviews of, of it happening, of, of the news reporters going, you know, during the same time frame, is there, is that gunshots going off? They were shot down. They were Executed. Again, weather is in self-defense, but I I never saw anyone say, hey, yeah, those 20, 30 people came out. Yeah, we had to shoot back at them out of self-defense. I never saw someone talk about that.
0: Mm, I haven't heard that. But a
1: group of 20 to 30 people come out of the backside, and they were gunned down. I don't know why, but I know they were. Only eight people survived. Um, Firefighters showed up to the scene. The local firefighters showed up to the scene because there's a building on fire. They were not permitted to to go there and fight the fire. I just find that.
0: I, I think the, the that reasoning as, as was it. that they uh, the rounds popping off. They couldn't turn it safe for firefighters. You know, I don't know if a, I don't know if a battalion commander that, can say we're going anyways. That's the firefighters' call. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the firefighters'
1: call, not the feds' call. Yeah, but it was the feds who stopped them mm. from 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 getting in there. And then the worst, uh, yeah, not the worst. There's so many things. And then it's a crime scene. At the end of the day, correct? This whole thing is a massive yeah. crime scene. And probably a crime scene, not as the way you would think about it, as them being the, the perpetrators. I viewed it as a, con- a crime scene as the feds being the, yeah. the, the the main suspects. Do they do anything to preserve this crime scene? No. They do the exact opposite. Where do they do this crime scene? I don't know. They push in all the walls that are that are still standing. They take all the tanks remaining with this building still on fire and they push in all the walls and they push all the material to the center of it, like a bonfire to just ensure that everything goes up in flames and that anything that would have still been standing and could have been looked into investigated. Everything was tampered with, pushed down and burnt, pushed to the middle. What do you think about that?
0: Man, I guess when you're the, when you're the feds, you can do whatever you want. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of what it sounds like. That's that's
1: the end of the siege. I just got a few more things, and it's been a long podcast. But to me, it's it's it, you know, you guys need to hear this. You Need to hear all this and come to your own conclusions. Hopefully, it kicks off something for you to, to kind of you know look into and uh, on and investigate on your own. There's a lot of things that we we didn't cover as you look into this. But let me tell you how this how this story um, how this story ends. The the official story after a 51 day siege. Is that the FBI agents, not the ATF? The FBI agents said uh, they did not fire a single shot. Uh, the ATF claimed that no shots were fired from helicopters. Um, both those uh, are proven lies. Uh, the guy in the water tower was shot by a helicopter. Um, you could you can hear the phone calls them them complaining about that you know a lot and even get into an argument with the negotiators. And negotiator kind of caught in the lie saying there were no mounted guns in those helicopters and they're like yeah there may not have been mounted guns but there were guns on those helicopters cuz they cuz they they killed one of our you know one of our friends like we were taking fire from helicopters and he had to kind of back his way out of that and say well yeah well there were no mounted guns but yes there may have been guns i'm not saying there were no guns on the helicopters the negotiator got caught in a lie on that and it got proven that they were shooting from from helicopters. They also claimed that the branch davidians started the fire that they did not start the fire. That's crazy to me when they found the incendiary grenades.
0: Are you are you like 80/20 it was the feds fault or are you convinced? I'm just asking my it, opinion, like yeah. asking Brent. when you talk, talk when you talk about like most likely, who started the fire? Oh, who's st- oh, yeah. I'm 50 50.
1: At the end of the day, I'm 50 50 on that. They absolutely, you know, could have started that fire. They had Molotov cocktails. They, they it only takes you know one, yeah. You know, what you're saying tag. is they can't clearly say we did it, but that's absolutely. But to say, but to come out on your official report and say we didn't do it, they should have said inconclusive, we don't know, yeah. but they said we didn't, and that I know for a fact, you know, is yeah. you cannot say that. There's no way you can say that when you threw. Fire or maybe if names. they
0: hadn't destroyed the building and put it out, they could find the point of origin of where things were lit on fire in the first place.
1: They also claimed <laughs> that basically it doesn't matter who started the fire because no fire killed anyone, and everyone that died inside uh, died of suicide. Now, I'll tell you some of the reasons why they felt confident enough or, or they may have wanted to back, you know, um, uh, backstop that story with is David Koresh was found. And he was found with a bullet in his head or, or his skull was found with a, a bullet, you know, entering the, his forehead. Uh, a lot of people they that they found, they did find uh, with um, gunshot wounds to the head. So but to say that no fire killed anyone, that's 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 mm-hmm. that's, that's quite when you see the fire, that's quite uh, that's quite that's quite the tale. Or to say like this, well, the fire didn't kill anyone. Well, if you're going up in flames, there's no way to go out and you have to kill yourself, you know, to, you're going to die a slow death of fire, or we can end it right now. What killed you? Yeah. The fire is the reason that, that they died because David Koresh is on video or on with the negotiators. They asked him several times, do you plan on killing yourself? Or are you suicidal? And he said, no, he says it multiple times. So no one here is suicidal, but they were pushed into a corner with fire. I believe to become suicidal. Um, during in 1995, there was a Waco, an, an official Waco investigation started at a congressional level. Um, several ATF agents were caught in a lie and were fired because of it. And then, ironically enough, when they threatened to go public, they were hired back.
0: Oh, so public is in like oh, we're not the only ones. You're just trying to fire the troops. We'll we'll talk about what came down.
1: I don't know what it was they were going to you know spill the beans on. But whatever they were going to spill the beans on, it scared the feds enough to be like, ah, never mind, we'll rehire you. Wow, that doesn't make a good case for the feds being. Above, I don't, above, I don't trust on this.
0: any congressional hearings either. I don't. Anytime I hear that there's a congressional hearing about something, I'm like, okay. Yeah.
1: That con- <laughs> that concludes my seven pages of of, of notes uh, on this, and uh, and again, I don't. I, said it before uh, i have to say it again i am not painting them as saints and innocent on this um like they there's a, a but i am saying there there were faults on both sides and at the end of the day it's on the feds to be above board and to save you know innocent lives and they didn't do that
0: how do you so the extreme the other end of the extreme is what cops always look at is uh well, whose fault is it? This is an extreme. Not saying what happened. Whose yeah. fault is it when they arm up and they take a town and they kill a bunch of people because they went crazy because they had the weapons they weren't supposed to have? So, then it becomes, well, why didn't you do anything about it? So, the middle ground would be okay, if they wanted to deal with it when they dealt with it, they. Sh- I feel like they should have taken a lot longer to investigate. But, what is your opinion on... I hate to do that to you. Right,
1: because- no, no. I, I get that. That's... You're basically arguing the you know a version of, of of the Baker's Act, right? Like, we know we have a you know a uh, is that the Baker's Act? We Baker have Act, a dangerous yeah. yeah a Baker Act when you it's liability when you have when you know there's a person with a gun, so now you got to go take the gun and then kind of you know figure it out from there. I believe this is very different because if you would they already they already knew. In my research, I can tell you what what they stood for. They didn't want contact with the outside world. They viewed it as harmful. So there's no reason for them to go fight the outside world. It's why they're on a compound isolated by themselves. So you I think they should have just
0: been monitored? They should have been monitored. Yep. Absolutely. They, monitored. they
1: should have been monitored. I'm not saying they shouldn't have been monitored. Absolutely. It is your job to find out, you know, uh, you know, rights and wrongs and, and, and keep the law and Monitor, you know,
0: you know, illegal activity, but because as an American, I, I'm going to sound bad for saying it. I'm not advising to break the law or break any federal firearm laws, but it does irritate me the fact that they were they were converting semi-automatic to automatic on their own compound away from everybody, and that's what they got at the end of it. Like out of all of this, see, we found that, and it's right. like they could have been doing that to me, because personally. I don't find anything wrong with that. And here's
1: here's where I where I would find wrong with that. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I I couldn't find any evidence of them selling fully automatic fully automatic weapons, and the ATF never never claims that they that they sold them. And that's you know one of the, like, So you're so you're proliferating illegal guns. They're basically just keeping illegal guns on their own compound. Mm-hmm. And I know hey at the end of the day the law is the law, but you know, who, who you have illegal guns that you just keep at your house I don't I I I don't think that warrants a uh, a, a a daylight siege of 800 of 800 officers it just doesn't
0: no yeah, but slap slap the face of the government I mean back yeah. then I don't think they'd do it now I don't think a wake it would happen now
1: um oh, that's I, and so again I'm not a uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't want this to ever happen again. Do I believe this could happen again? I can tell you this. I say it all the time. That depends on this election in 2024. I believe with you know th- who we have in power right now and their views on guns, and they would, they would gladly make an example of of people like that again. Yeah. Don't don't do.
0: Do you believe that's a uh, a fair I, assessment I feel like of, lo- of our- enough time has gone by to where they're gonna right. go. We're we're well since this person publicly told us no and to go fuck off. Now we're gonna make it a thing, kind of like how the uh, there was a gym owner. He's really popular in New York. Um, he he stayed open and he said you know. And they made a big thing and they went and they broke down his shit and they publicly arrested him in front of everybody during COVID because he kept yeah. his gym open. And like, but when you mix guns with that. And possibly more players in the game other than just one gym owner. That's where I feel you can get a. And then on top of that now, back then, these Ruby Ridge and this were like new concepts to people. Like, whoa, right. what are these people? Now, it's kind of like our friend on, that we had on the political podcast where he said "There's now there's many, 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 many more pockets of people that are going to wait for that, what do you say, a powder keg right. to go off. That's right. And then now there's going to be tons of Wacos rather than just one Waco.
1: Yep, I, I think it's a it is a a good possibility of happen again, which is why it was you know so important to us to talk about this to ensure that you know it doesn't happen again and people know what the government is capable of, even though that's not that's not the everyday government. It's not the it's not it's, it's not who I paint the government as. I just paint them as capable mm-hmm. of 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 this, and um, why this election really just has so much importance, which is why we talk at our, our political podcast. So. Be vigilant. Your vote matters.
0: You can change it. Yeah as, yeah, as
1: cheesy as that sounds, I I I I do believe that.
0: And stick around because we're gonna cover a uh, couple of weeks. We'll cover Ruby Ridge in the next couple weeks.
1: I'm excited about that one. So. That's uh, uh, uh we're probably on a it. Word, but that that's that's a crazy one. If you prob- like this
0: one, yeah, we're probably on a
1: list by now. <laughs> I'm fine with it. <laughs>